bai boy bangai bagai ai boy begerek mota kon bai bai boy yai boy bangai nangul bai boy seirek mola takon jok nangamunyo yai Manerera amul bay khamoko Ungen waktane jubo Manerero amul yai nyaka waktana Khamgenrero amul bay nyaka waktana African Dialogue, looking at different events in depth, discussing a variety of issues. What we see here is a clear violation of one, the right to privacy of Tiwonge and uh, Stephen. The position of Greenpeace is that it's been a disappointing meeting. Hello and uh, welcome to Channel Africa, your gateway to Africa and the voice of the African Renaissance. I'm your host, Sydney Katungapiri, sitting in for Benjamin Mushatama. And we are currently on the frequency 9625 kHz on the 31-meter band to Southern Africa. Let's, uh, let's get our news as we start this program. We're looking at uh, Rwanda President Paul Kagame having appealed... having appealed to Interpol to help arrest genocide fugitives wanted for war crimes against humanity in his country. But before that, let's look at the story. Let's go to our news. And we take a look at your headlines this morning. The UN peacekeeping mission in the CAR adds more troops and police before next month's elections. Nigerian President Muhammadu Buhari to swear in a cabinet and South Africa's eight former police officers convicted of the murder of Mozambican taxi driver sentenced to 15 years imprisonment. The latest on your news, a very good morning. I'm Onelin Tsinsi. The United Nations peacekeeping mission in the Central African Republic is adding hundreds more troops and police before next month's elections. The mission and the Vatican are discussing security in the country where a recent surge in killings forced the elections to be postponed from October to December. The UN is also considering deploying units from other peacekeeping missions to help with security for the elections which begin on December 27. Nigeria is finally getting a new government after more than five months of waiting. 
President Mohamedou Buhari will on Wednesday assign formal roles to 36 ministerial nominees approved by Parliament. Buhari is scheduled to make the announcement bringing to an end 166 days in which he had effectively been in sole charge of Africa's leading economy and most populous nation. Buhari's primary focus since coming to office on May 29 has been the fight against Boko Haram Islamists and launching an anti-corruption drive. A delegation sent to Lesotho by the chairperson of the SADC organ for defense and security, Mozambican President Philippe Nyusi, is expected to meet Lesotho's Minister of Foreign Affairs on Wednesday. Speculation is rife that the delegation is a precursor to the release of the much-awaited report of the SADC Commission that investigated the country's instability. The delegation will also meet the opposition, civil society and churches. The delegation comes as Basutu eagerly await the release of the report of the Sada Commission that spent two months in the country investigating instability and the death of former Army Commander Maaparangwe Mahau. The Minister of Foreign Affairs and the Lesotho Council of NGOs have confirmed that they will meet the delegation today. It is expected to be in the country until Friday. The High Court in South Africa's capital, Pretoria, has sentenced state former police officers convicted of the murder of Mozambican taxi driver Mido Masia to 15 years imprisonment each. 27-year-old Masia died in police custody in February 2013 after being dragged behind a police van in Johannesburg, Judge Bertbam. The accused, unfortunately for them, did not show any remorse in the pre-sentence report. All of them maintain that they were innocent. However, a court should be slow and careful to, without more, regard the lack of remorse as aggravating. The accused were entitled to plead not guilty and are entitled to maintain this attitude, even today. True remorse, however, or contrition on the other hand, is an important factor that could have had a mitigating effect on the sentence. And finally, experts of member states of the Lake Chad Basin Commission are meeting in Cameroon's capital, Yaoundé, to discuss ways of saving one of Africa's one-time expensive and vital Lake Chad. The lake lost as much as 90% of its water in the past 50 years. Regional representatives will take recommendations to the Paris Climate Change Summit next month. One main project being discussed is to transfer water from the Congo River Basin to Lake Chad. Mwaki Kinzaka reports. For the water transfer project to go ahead, the governments of DR Congo and Congo Brazzaville must allow the six member countries of the Lake Chad Basin Commission to use their territories and water resources. Sanusi Imram Abdullahi says the green light has been given. The project will cost 14.5 billion United States dollars. However, the money is not yet available, which has led critics to complain that. It is another white elephant project announced by their leaders. Nigeria funded them almost alone and is now looking at the possibility of organizing a donors conference. Area keeping on your top stories, the UN peacekeeping mission in the CR adds more troops and police before next month's elections. Nigerian President Muhammadu Buhari to sway in a cabinet and South Africa's eight former police officers convicted of the murder of Mozambican taxi driver sentenced to 15 years imprisonment. Channel Africa News.
Thank you, Oneli. I'm sorry we apologize for the break in our transmission just before the news. You are tuned to uh, Channel Africa, our gateway to Africa and the voice of the African Renaissance. Remember, this is African Dialogue coming to you every Monday to Thursday at 11 hours Central African time. And I'm Sydney Katungapiri standing in for Benjamin Nyatama. In our program this week, uh, this uh, today, we're actually talking about Rwanda. And uh, we're looking at Rwanda President Paul Kagame having appealed to Interpol to help arrest genocide fugitives wanted for war crimes against humanity in his country. In a memorandum from Interpol, he wrote to track down genocide fugitives roaming around the world. Kagame, whose government stopped the genocide against the Tutsis in 1994, expressed satisfaction for Interpol's work in arresting genocide fugitives, but said there are some out there in the world who need to be brought back to book. And the president was officially opening the 84th Interpol Annual General Assembly taking place in Rwanda's capital, Kigali, last week. And more than 400 genocide fugitives roam around 30 African countries alone, with less efforts by the host countries to arrest and extradite them to Rwanda. And elsewhere in the world, Rwanda, in collaboration with partners including United States, are hunting two at nine, about nine notorious genocide fugitives that have escaped justice for the past 20 years. Despite a heavy bounty on their heads, the United States has set a reward of $5 million for any information leading to or arrest of the super, um, suspected murderers. And to look at this and more, we are joined on, on the line by Sivanas Karimera, our news correspondent based in Kigali, Rwanda. Sivanas, are you there? Yes. Now, could you, at the onset, uh, maybe, uh, you know, paint a picture of those who are said to be perpetrators of the genocide? Maybe just a few names. Um, I, I think, as Michael said in your introduction, there is a number of fugitives who are still at large across the globe. And Rwanda has consistently appealed for their arrest, including those who are still in African countries, uh, Europe, and other parts of the world. But in recent years, you find that Rwanda has been uh, uh, declining, uh, declining the lack of uh, cooperation from, for example, Africa, because the number of those who have been uh, brought back to Rwanda from African countries are very few compared to those who are being brought back, especially from the U.S. or Canada or Sweden, for other, um, to mention a few countries. But by that, those who are really regarded as um, uh, key players in this genocide, especially the Felician Kabuga, who is said to be in one of those countries in Africa, who is still be, uh, who is still there actually, and and despite the uh, a lot of money that has been put on his head, as bound to be arrested, but we still see uh, no fruit in having him to book. There mm-hmm. is another person like. Uh, uh, Irania, who is said to be, you know, in other countries in Africa, especially in, in, in Southern Africa, in Southern Africa, not South Africa. Um, so these are two people, um, even others who are still at large, 
but who have been put uh, money on their heads to be, uh, if possible, to be arrested and brought back to Rwanda. Now, uh, <laughs> 21 years, uh, Sylvanas, I think you can agree with me that uh, that's a long time. What has been happening all these years as far as these uh, perpetrators are concerned? Uh, the problem that I see as a journalist here, I'm actually speaking uh, 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 as a journalist, not a politician or any other diplomat. Okay. The problem that I'm, I'm seeing here is, uh, is the mixture of uh, uh, politics and, and the laws and uh, justice for this matter. Because uh, there is no way you could convince people here that these people have not been brought to court or rather arrested uh, after 21 years after the genocide, yet they are, you know, they are known where they are. They, they, they are. Some countries have been mentioned, some areas where they have sought refuge and so on and so forth. That means you find that there is a lot of politics when it comes to their arrests, for example. And, um, you know, this little place at which the things are being run, you find that there's a problem. And, and, and in, in return, you find that even the time, uh, the times are going by, we, we, we don't see the arrest, we don't see uh, any steps in terms of, uh, you know, apprehending them and taking back them to Rwanda and so on. So, so you find that there is a, a problem of politics, really. Otherwise, there is no way you can convince people that they have not been taken and, 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 and I mean, brought back to Rwanda otherwise. From what you are saying here, uh, we see that uh, earlier on you were talking about uh, with those that are in the Africa, I mean African countries. Do you have possibly names of those uh, maybe in other, you know, I mean other parts, like uh, maybe France or Germany? Yeah, you are right to say For example, look at what, uh, what is happening between the two countries, uh, Rwanda and France, for example. Taking that simple, simple example, you find mm. that France. Uh, there have been some some frictions between the two countries, and the root cause of the of, of the whole is is that the France uh, the French the then French government actually had a hand uh, in the Rwandan genocide here. That's why you find that there has been some frictions between the two countries. But now, looking at the number of uh, maybe I don't have the number with me here, but there is a lot of people uh, looming around uh, France uh, who've been uh, accused of having taken part in the genocide in the in the in 1994 here. But now you find that after 21 years, actually, only one person, uh, one called uh, Pasco, uh, Pasco, I forgot his second name, but uh, to, to be sincere, you find that uh, only one person has been uh, uh, put on trial and sentenced 25 years in prison, only one person. And that you find that uh, one of the genocide fugitives that one has been uh, running after is the former um, first lady of this country, the, the, the widow of the former president, who has been accused by the current government here uh, of having committed genocide. And she's still in France together mm-hmm. with her family. So okay. you find that the, the lack of political, um, I mean, should I say political or maybe justice, I don't know. But you find that there is a lot of people in France, for example, if you talk of Germans, like we say, there are only two people that have been uh, uh, arrested and their, their, their cases are now uh, undergoing in France, in, in, in Germany, you find that there is no really uh, that that will to you know perhaps hunt down them and and finally let them come back here. Mm-hmm. Okay, uh, we just going to go for a break. Uh, remember, we have an African dialogue coming to you every Monday to Thursday here on Channel Africa.
Let's just take a break. Would like to get to know you, our listener. So we are asking you to tell us the country you're in and how you listen to the station. Is it via shortwave, internet or satellite? And what do you enjoy listening to? You can SMS us at plus two seven eight two double three two five nine oh five or email us. It's at info at channelafrica.org. You can also tell us via Facebook or tweet us on the handle at Channel Africa Numerical One. Or write to us at the address PO Box 91313 Auckland Park, Johannesburg, 2006 Republic of South Africa. We look forward to hearing from you. Channel Africa, the voice of the African Renaissance. Welcome back to African Dialogue here on Channel Africa, the voice of the African Renaissance. Remember, we are on uh, frequency 9625 uh, kilohertz in the uh, 31 meter band to Southern Africa. We are talking to uh, Sivanas Karimena, a Channel Africa news correspondent based in Kigali, and we're talking about Paul Kagame, the president of Rwanda seeking uh, more collaboration from Interpol to track down genocide fugitives. And we are joined on the line again from uh, London, Karina Tetsakiani. If I'm mispronouncing your name, please correct me, Karina. Are you there? Uh, yes, I'm here. Thank you. You're most welcome, most welcome. Uh, we are with uh, Sivanas Karimera and uh, uh, Karina. Let me come to you, Karina. Uh, we hear about all this... Uh, uh, about these uh, 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 problems. Has Interpol pledged support for the president's call, for instance? Uh, I'm sorry, there was a, a crack on the line. Can you repeat the question, please? Oh, we're looking at, uh, you know, the, uh, and the, the seeking f- more in collaboration from Interpol to track down genocide fugitives roaming around the, the world. Do you think or do you know of uh, maybe Interpol pledging support for the president's call? Well, I, I don't know exactly what Interpol has been doing in that respect. A lot of their actions are not publicized, of course. But, but this issue has been uh, one of concern for, for some time. I mean, as the, as the Rwandan president said, there are still quite a few Rwandans who are alleged to have participated in the genocide who are free, uh, living in various countries in Africa, in Europe, in North America, and elsewhere. It's now 21 years since those terrible events, and some of these people are still evading justice. Now, some have been arrested, some have been prosecuted in a number of countries, particularly in Europe, in North America, and also by the International Criminal Tribunal for Rwanda in Arusha, Tanzania, that tribunal which is actually finishing its work this year. Um, But the largest number of people by a long way uh, have been brought to justice inside Rwanda, so there's still much more to be done outside. Uh, earlier on, I was talking to uh, Sivanas, uh, who talked about you know some you know some people. I mean, some of these uh, perpetrators uh, 
you know, that are in, 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 in Africa. Uh, how have African governments, in your knowledge, reacted to accusations that they are pro- protecting their culprits on their soil? Do you, any, do you know anything about it? Well, they've denied, of course, protecting culprits, but at the same time, uh, to our knowledge, there haven't actually been any prosecutions of Rwandans for for genocide in these African countries. As I mentioned, there have been a a few cases in Europe, in North America, but not in in Africa. And some of the most well-known people, I think your correspondent mentioned Felicien Kabuga, who is alleged to have played a key role in in financing the genocide. He is believed to be at large somewhere in Africa um, up until now somehow no one has been able to put their hands on him or, or bring him to justice. That, that's just one example. That there are several others. Oh, uh, it is recorded that uh, about $5 million is, uh, you know, is being you know, uh, carried, I mean, put as a carrot you know, to attract information regarding this matter. Uh, do you think $5 million is enough to do this? Well, I, I don't think it's a question so much of the, the exact amount. Um, you know, one can, can argue about that one way or, or the other. It's more a question of political will, I think. And so far, it has been disappointing um, how, how few people have been arrested or brought to justice for the genocide outside Rwanda. Having said that, I mean, there have been a, a few cases the, in your earlier report, your, your correspondent mentioned that, that France has been dragging its feet, which of course is, is true. Um, France had a, a close relationship with the, with the former government of, of Rwanda, which of course means that the, the cases there tend to be quite politicized. But finally, um, for the first time last year in, in 2014, there was the first trial in France uh, by a newly created war crimes unit there mm. of a, a former intelligence chief under the Habyarimana government who was tried, um, found guilty and sentenced to 25 years. I mean, this is not enough, but it's a, a first important case and we certainly ha- hope that there will be more. Okay. Now, uh, let me come back to you, Sylvanas uh, Karimera. Uh, in your assessment of the go- global political situation in uh, Rwanda, do you see uh, that maybe there are considered efforts by the international community to really, really act on the perpetrators of the genocide? Or is this being used for political point scoring? Maybe it is, uh, it is not very simple to really rule out that maybe uh, political um, ground is really used to have uh, these people uh, not go to back to Rwanda because as you could see or rather have been reading about Rwanda's development today, you find that uh, there are two aspects. Um, the country has been really uh, uh, praised, praised for having made uh, strides in terms of economic growth, uh, in terms of uh, you know development at large. But on the other hand, you find that some, for example, uh, human rights activists uh, uh, show some 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 dissatisfaction when it comes to let's say uh, politics and so on and so forth. But again. Um, so uh, talking to what the government is here is, is really uh, saying about, is really showing up, you find that uh, uh, even the politics people are talking about 
it is maybe very hard for those who are who really uh, understand what is taking place here. But when you look at things how they are unfolding here in Rwanda, you find that there is some very good steps made. But as in, in, when it comes to international cooperation, to maybe putting these people to both, uh, it is very hard to maybe understand which scale or steps has been made. Because, uh, if you look at the number of people who are still at large, and the capacity of nations across the globe, we find that uh, maybe um, enough has not, has not been done to really make sure that this is, because these people are looking at uh, the world in their capitals, they know, uh, you know, where they are, they are based, but it has been done. So I think it is a matter of time and see how things are being really uh, done across the world, really have them taken back to Rwanda. And now, uh, while you're there, we... We hear general of police at one point, uh, that is Emmanuel Gassana, once said that, uh, you know, they are facing, you know, he's, he's facing challenges identifying and locating, or even apprehending genocide fugitives, partly because some of them change identity. Uh, do you think that, you know, uh, these people at one point can be, you know, can be traced if they are not, if, if, they, if they haven't sought any asylum? You know, in any country, do you think locally they can be traced? Yeah, you see, the, 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 I have the problem of what you are saying um, because remember these people. If you talk of a, a person like Ferician Kabuga, this was one of the tycoon way back then when the genocide was uh, perpetrated, even before. If you talk of a person like Protein uh, Hiranya, this is the former commandant of the notorious presidential guard during the genocide. Uh, if you talk of Agassi Bizumana, for example, this was the defense minister during the genocide government uh, back then. But now we find that uh, these are actually the, the, the leading perpetrators of the genocide and who've been sought uh, in vain up to day, 20 years ago. And we find that these are people who are really, you know, rich, having money and so on and so forth. And we find that in most governments in Africa, for example, um, it's not a very simple, you know, the, the ground is not clear. Um, it is, you can, as a journalist, as I earlier said, I'm not a, politi- a politician, so I, I, I'm, tell, I'm trying to tell you the mm. way I think, I look at things. Okay. Now, these are people who might be using even their money to mm. let them go or let them go through whatever could be put uh, before them. So I, I don't think it's something that is very simple or very simple yet to have them back here because because of their, you know, financial status, their mm. and so forth. Okay. I think we still have a way to go, really. All right. Now, uh, let's just break uh, for a minute, because um, I'll come back to you uh, looking at the security of, um, of this. Let's just have a break. This is Channel Africa, South Africa's only official international public radio station on shortwave, internet and satellite. From an African perspective, listen to Channel Africa in English, Kiswahili, French, Silozi, Portuguese and Chinyanja. Informing the world about Africa, Channel Africa, the voice of the African Renaissance. Okay, uh, let's... uh hear from you, Sivanas, again, coming back to the same point of local, I mean, uh, the security. Do do you think that, uh, you know, these people could pose a threat for Rwanda's security? What do you think? I don't think so. I don't think so. Why not? I don't think so, because um, 
Remember, we're on uh, African Dialogue now on Channel Africa, the voice of the African Renaissance. And remember, you can you can also uh, welcome, interact us with us uh, through Facebook and Twitter, or you can simply SMS your views to two seven zero seven nine six nine five seven nine three two seven. That is plus two seven zero seven nine six nine five seven nine three. We are talking about. Rwanda and looking at Rwanda President Paul Kagame having appealed to, to Interpol to help arrest genocide fugitives wanted, wanted for war crimes against humanity in his country. I'm coming to you, Karina. Uh, when you look at all this, do you think as an expert, you know, in the, uh, in the, I mean, at the Human Rights Watch, do you think that Rwandan government having a strong collaboration in a capacity building and sharing time, timely information as a path to eliminating multinational crimes that actually continue to destabilize global security. Do you think, you know, Rwandan government have that capacity? Well, to, to, to some extent, I mean, I think when you're talking about these kinds of very serious crimes under international law, crimes of genocide, war crimes, crimes against humanity, um, the responsibility goes beyond the, the one particular government of the country where these crimes occurred. It becomes an international responsibility. So even if the, the Rwandan government has developed some capacity to do that, and it, it certainly has increased its capacity over the last 20 years, it still requires the, the, the collaboration of governments in other parts of the world and also international organizations such as the International Criminal Tribunal for Rwanda. So it's a collective responsibility, uh, and I think there need to be collective efforts to identify 
arrest, prosecute these people, ensure that they receive fair trials as well. That is important, that it shouldn't just be seen as some kind of victor's justice, um, and, and that the, particularly the people who played a leading role in the genocide are, are not allowed to carry on uh, roaming around free. Oh. Earlier on, we hear that, uh, you know, the African police chiefs met this month uh, in Kigali, uh, Sivanas, for the Fourth International Association of Chiefs of Police. What came out of that meeting, Sivanas? Yeah, what came up is not different from what has been coming up in their prior meetings. They uh, agreed uh, to collaborate and intensify the cooperation when it comes to arresting and uh, uh, prohibiting from cross-border um, challenges, uh, especially in this contemporary world, which uh, is faced with the multiple challenges and uh, in cyber crimes, for example, human trafficking, money laundering, and so on and so forth. So what they came up with was actually intensify and um, uh, keep their, comp- uh, their, their, their collaboration when it comes to any, any security challenges that could, that could emerge from either part in their region. And uh, coming to the United Kingdom, uh, Karina, we hear that uh, President Kagame uh, lashed out at the United Kingdom for arresting uh, Rwanda's head of security and intelligence, General Kwenzi Karake. Uh, could you briefly tell us why he was arrested? Yes, well, he is one of several senior officials of the ruling party, the RPF in, in Rwanda, who were accused of serious international crimes by a a Spanish court. There there were indictments that went out in 2008 uh, against him and I believe 39 other senior Rwandan officials. So these are officials of of the current government, not of the previous government. So this is not to do with the, the genocide. It is to do with crimes committed by the RPF as was, so, so that is the, the the armed group that eventually put an end to the genocide and formed the current government of, of Rwanda. So the RPF, going back to the 1990s, also carried out thousands of killings of civilians. These were not in any way equivalent to the, the genocide, but they were very serious crimes as well. And up until today, very few RPF officials have been brought to justice for those crimes. So there was a, a case in Spain. Um, there were extradition requests that were that were put out, and General Karake Karenzi was arrested in the UK back in June on the basis of a European arrest warrant. But then, look at looking at uh, the relations between Kigali and London. What can you say about it? I mean, do you think there's? I mean, there's been you know sad uh, relations between. Between with two, after this. Um, I mean, maybe for a, for a short while. I mean, as, as you probably know, the the case in the end was was thrown out on on legal grounds. Uh, the, the case against Karate Karenzi was never actually heard, but uh, a court in in London throughout the case and. Karate Karenzi has gone back to Rwanda. That was on the, the, the basis that, according to, to UK law, the crimes of which Karate was, was accused would not have been prosecutable in the UK at the time that they were committed.
committed. So that case is now over as far as the, the, the UK is, is concerned. I mean, for sure, it, it, it was surprising in a way because the UK and Rwanda do have very close relations. The, the UK is one of the most important donors and supporters of the, of the Rwandan government. But then, uh, Karina, they say that uh, we hear stories that uh, uh, Karen's himself, uh, uh, through a regular visit to London, has been a target by the European arrest warrant since 2008. Tell us more about his arrest, I mean, arrest warrant and why he has been sought. Well, I think I explained why he was sought. So this is, it's all in connection with the, with the case in Spain, um, which is targeted at, at 40 senior RPF officials for crimes committed since the, the 1990s. So he is one of those. Um, I'm not able to tell you, I, I genuinely don't know why he was uh, suddenly arrested this year when in fact he had been going backwards and forwards quite often. So uh, I, I'm afraid I, I, I don't know why specifically now um, uh, the authorities in the UK decided to, to arrest him. All right. Uh, I'll come. I'll come back to uh, to you, uh, Sylvanas. Uh, f- from where we going uh, from here? What do you think will happen uh, to qu- countries that are still, you know, um, keeping, you know, these fugitives? I, I think what is going on, or might happening soon, uh, is, for example, um, Rwanda continue insisting to have them. Uh, arrested and taken back to Rwanda, or rather brought back to Rwanda, I, I, I think we'll, we'll see more arrests. Because if you look at the number of those who have been brought back to Rwanda, uh, be it those from the U.S., from from Canada, from other European countries, the number is, is, is now shooting up. So if, for example, Rwanda continues to do more uh, with laws uh, when it comes to execution of of, of, of 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 judgment for example and so on and so forth we perhaps see more numbers of those who uh, will be arrested and take uh, go to back to Rwanda because the genocide crime is not something that is ending tomorrow that is expiring today or next year or so on and so forth I think by having a consistent call from the countries across the globe maybe we we shall continue seeing the number of those who will be taken back to Rwanda Let's break for, uh, uh, let's have another break and we'll come back. When I come back, I'll come back to you, um, Sylvanas, just to give us, you know, what is uh, the situation in Kigali as we're talking. Africa rising through innovative technologies to improve the quality of life of its people. From the 29th of November to the 3rd of December 2015, South Africa's city of gold, Johannesburg, will host the 7th AfroCities Summit. Delegates will have an opportunity to reflect on the challenges that local governments and partner states are faced with, the state of affairs and what steps have been taken to ensure that the objective to build a network of smart cities is realized. Channel Africa will be there bringing you live coverage.
The AfriCity Summit is an engagement for Africa's local government authorities, which is organized every three years by the United Cities and Local Governments of Africa, UCLG Africa. This year's edition will be held under the theme Shaping the Future of Africa with the People. The contribution of African local authorities to Agenda 2063 of the African Union. Smart cities will be one of the subjects explored during the five-day summit. So, join Channel Africa between the 29th of November and the 3rd of December for coverage of AfriCities 2015. Channel Africa, the voice of the African Renaissance. Now, uh, Sylvanas, before we close, um, in the wake of uh, Karenzi's arrest in Kigali, uh, we hear that Kigali reacted, you know, angrily and uh, protesting that it was a politically motivated arrest. Now, they said they will were, they were vigorously contest. Why were they going to contest? Uh, there is a lot of reasons why this happened, really, because um, if you look at general currency, I'm trying to tell you what I see here and what I speak and get from people here. Karenzi is one of the military officers who contributed enough, who is rather seen here as, as one of the liberators of this country when it comes to starting the genocide right from 1990 up to the end of 1994. So this man has been perceived as, a, as one of those who liberated this country from the hands of perpetrators, and has been contributing uh, in the rebirth of this country, both security-wise and economic-wise. Remember, he's head of the intelligence service here, and he's been serving in the Rwanda's uh, defense uh, all along. So having him arrested in London while on official duty, it was really, you know, taken as embarrassment for the nation not only for himself as a person, but for the nation, a nation of 11 or more people. So that's why people actually powered into the streets to demonstrate against his arrest while on official duty in London. Karina, uh, maybe your closing remarks, what do you say about this? Well, I, I think one of the things that's very striking in Rwanda today is that you know, despite what we were saying earlier, there has been significant progress in bringing to justice some of the people who took part in the genocide um, in Rwanda, in courts in Rwanda, as well as at the International Court and, and other courts in other countries. But there has been no similar progress in terms of bringing to justice members of the RPF who also participated in terrible crimes going back to the 1990s. So once again, I, I, I do want to say that these crimes committed by RPF are not in any way equivalent to the genocide. I'm not comparing, but RPF officials did kill thousands of civilians. And until now, um, most of them have escaped justice, including very senior officials who are still holding positions in the security forces or in the government. So 
I would say two things really to conclude. One is that uh, with regard to the, the genocide, as we were saying earlier, efforts should be intensified by countries around the world to apprehend and bring to justice uh, the people who played a leading role in the genocide, but also efforts should be made to deliver justice to the victims of RPF crimes. They also have a right to justice, um, but it's been a, a very difficult struggle, particularly because inside Rwanda, very few people there talk about RPF crimes. Um, there are tight restrictions on free speech there, as you probably know, so it's a, it's a very difficult subject to broach inside the country. Thank you very much there, and that's how we come to the end of this edition of African Dialogue. And uh, we had uh, Sivanas Karimera, Channel Africa News Correspondent, based in Kigali, Rwanda, and Karina uh, Teitsakian, uh, Senior African uh, Africa Researcher, Senior Africa Researcher and Rwanda Expert at the Human Rights Watch. And we're talking about uh, the uh, Rwandan President Paul Gagame seeking more collaboration from Interpol to track down genocide fugitives roaming around the world. Thank you very much for tuning in and tune again to Channel Africa to catch another informative installment of the program tomorrow at the same time. Remember, African Dialogue comes to you every Monday to Thursday at 1100 hours Central African time. You're also welcome to interact with us via Facebook and Twitter or you can simply SMS your views to plus 2779-695-7930. And uh, thank you once again to our uh, uh, to our guests who joined us. And it's now time for economic news. Good morning. The Red Meat Producers Organization in South Africa says the devastating drought has left many livestock farmers in dire straits because of a shortage of grazing. Many are being forced to sell their livestock to buy fodder to save their remaining animals from starvation. The chairperson of the Free State Province, Red Meat Producers Association, Neil DeVias. There is a shortage of slaughtered animals and, and it will reach a peak in the Christmas time. The, the, the meat prices at this stage is, is at the top level, but it definitely increased by approximately 10 to 20% to Christmas time. And the Tanzania-Zambia Railway Authority, Tazara, has acquired four new diesel-electric mainline locomotives and 18 passenger coaches valued at 22.4 million US dollars. The new equipment was purchased through the 15th Protocol of Economic and Technical Cooperation, a trilateral loan agreement that was signed by the governments of China, Tanzania and Zambia in 2012 in Lusaka. The new locomotives will boost the current daily availability of mainline locomotives by 33% from 12 to an average of 16 and Malawi's data from the Global 2015 World Economic Forum shows uh, the country has failed in areas of travel and tourism. This is contained in a WE.
Airfire report, which singles out air transport infrastructure and roads to tourism sites as the worst in the world. Out of 141 economies where the survey was done in areas of competitiveness, Malawi was ranked 126. George Mango reports in Blantyre. A Swiss non-profit foundation based in Geneva published the report with the framework of the Global Competitiveness and Industry Partnership Program for Aviation and Travel. This after Malawi's airports were said to be on the risk of being blacklisted due to poor facilities. Malawi, according to the report, performed well on safety and security, price competitiveness, environmental sustainability and natural resources. The International Monetary Fund's chief, uh, Christine Lagarde, has warned that uh, the global energy prices could remain low for years and has urged Gulf countries to adjust their budgets. Speaking in Qatar's capital, Doha, after meeting ministers and officials from the Six-Nation Gulf Corporation Council, Lagarde has warned the countries uh, could no longer rely on revenues from oil and gas. She says they believe the price of oil will probably persist at the levels where it is at for a number of years. As a result, all GCC countries should undertake some degree of fiscal adjustment. And many of the world's biggest travel and tourism companies are on course to cut carbon emissions by 50% by the year 2035, based on 2005 levels. That's according to a new report by the World Travel and Tourism Council. This target was set by the industry in 2009. In the run-up to the COP21 climate change talks in Paris at the end of the year, the report looks at the importance of addressing climate change for travel and tourism companies and the progress that has been made by the world's airlines, airports, hotels, cruise lines, car hire companies, and other industries in the last decade. That's your economics news for now. I'm back in an hour's time with another update. Africa rising through innovative technologies to improve the quality of life of its people. From the 29th of November to the 3rd of December 2015, South Africa's City of Gold, Johannesburg, will host the 7th AfroCities Summit. Delegates will have an opportunity to reflect on the challenges that local governments and partner states are facing. That was uh, economic news by uh, Wisani Matebula. And let's come to sports by Tami Kusa. Thanks for joining us in your sport. Let's start with cricket, where recent history offers only limited help to South African protists as they contemplate, probably in some suspense, what sort of surface may face them in the second test against India in, Bangla, in Bangalore from Saturday. This is largely because the M. Chinamsuni Stadium has not staged a test match since September 2012. The match will be remembered for left-arm spinner Nicky Boyer's finest hour of his country. Not only did he earn match figures of 7 for 93, but also scored 85 in the lone South African innings after taking cut at number 3. 
The South African under-23 men's national team played and beat Taifa Stars of Tanzania 2-0 in a practice match on Tuesday afternoon in a sweltering heat at El Dorado Park Stadium, which is south of Johannesburg. A praise from Gift to Motuba brought out a sense of excitement from coach Owen Dagama, who insisted if the mental strength remained positive, this squad is capable of achieving something at the Eight Nations Tournament in Senegal. Owen Dagama says that the boys are looking fresh and they are looking forward to playing in Senegal and qualify for the 2016 Rio Olympic Games. Zambia are looking for a crucial, critical away result on Wednesday when they face Sudan in a 2018 World Cup second round first leg qualifier in Karima. George Landamina's side must avoid a loss at all costs to take into Sunday's final leg decider in dollar to avoid any pressure at home. Or interest in the 2018 qualifiers might end this weekend at the preliminary stage. Winner over the both legs will advance to the final group stage qualifying phase where Africa's five representatives in Russia in two years' time will be decided. Now in athletics, Kenyan athletes, their managers and government agencies involved in sports regulation are to study the report published by the World Anti-Doping Agency, which has proposed sanctions against Russia and some of its athletes linked to doping. In the past, some local athletes in Kenya have been under investigation after they were adversely mentioned in connection with the performance-enhancing drugs and substances used to mask drug abuse. Athletics Kenya Chief Executive Isaac Mwangi says that the truth of the matter is that Kenyan athletes do not need these substances. Mwangi says that he is not worried at all. Uh, we are not worried from where we are seated because we know everything we are doing is positive and it's towards the right direction. What I can say is that uh, as Athletics Kenya we are doing the best we can to ensure that our athletes have the best chance of competing. Uh, athletics in this country is a big sport. Um, our country has raised this flag way out of this world because uh, of what we've done. Uh, we therefore are very committed in terms of ensuring that nothing of that sort happens to Kenya. Mwangi says that it is in the interest of the country to protect all the athletes and rules are there to guide and should be followed. Uh, I, I think the rules are clear in, in that sense um, because the rules target people who have uh, failed uh, or who have not obeyed the rules and I think the rules are directed towards individuals who have not, uh, who have not abound to, to those rules. And finally, Lebuhang Palula was crowned to the 2015 South African Spa Grand Prix winner at the award ceremony that was held in Johannesburg on Tuesday morning. Palula improved on her 2014 performance, winning two races which formed part of the Spa Women's Challenge. Speaking after being handed a trophy and a check of 10,000 US dollars, Palula said that she had achieved her goal for this year. And I would like to thank each and everyone who, was, who took part in my life. Oh, you know, the first bar, ladies, it was so terrible, but I won't say that terrible because I was, I was in a podium, I came third, but I was also aiming to win the race, but it didn't go according to the plan. But the second one, I came second again in PE, but the third one I managed to, be in, to win the race at Devon because that's my favorite province at the moment. Then Pretoria, I came third. And then I won the last by ladies. And that's the end of our sport. Stay tuned to Channel Africa, the voice of the African Renaissance, and back to Sydney, Katunga Piri.
And thanks, Tammy, for that uh, sports update. And uh, let's leave up, uh, leave this program. And uh, from me, Sydney, Katunga Piri, and uh, my producer, Honsi, I say goodbye. And let's leave you with uh, Miriam Makeba, Malaika.